You're listening to a Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. The sixth annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland interdisciplinary conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2016. The conference was generously supported by an NUI Galway President's Award for Research Excellence to Professor Stephen Ellis, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Discipline of History at NUI Galway, and the Society for Renaissance Studies. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 140 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tudorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Dr. Yvonne McDermott from Galway Mayo Institute of Technology. Her paper was entitled Galway Augustinian Friary, From Foundation to Demolition. Um, thanks very much to the organisers for having me um, speak here today. Um, the, the aim of this talk is to look at some of the key moments in the history of Galway Augustinian Friary, from its foundation to its uh, dissolution, uh, its subsequent fortification and its eventual demolition, and I'll try and use some evidence to reconstruct what the um, friary may have looked like. Um, Galway Augustinian Friary significantly was the last house of the Austin Friars to be established in Ireland before the Reformation. Uh, its founder was a woman called Margaret Thai, who was married to one of the famous lynches of Galway. And uh, Marianne Lyons has observed that um, women of the colony in Ireland were less likely uh, to individually undertake large-scale patronage of religious houses than Gaelic women were, and because typically their beneficence was ordered as wives. Um, there were other women who founded friaries in late medieval Ireland, um, notably um, Margaret Nevrian, wife of Owen O'Rourke, uh, Lord of Breffney, founded um, Drumahair Friary, um, and that's um, recorded in reference to mentions of her um, burial at a wooden um, uh, chapel that she um, uh, established on that site. Um, Margaret Thai Lynch of Galway then is a notable exception to the um, pattern whereby uh, women of the colony were less likely um, to um, um, found religious houses themselves. Um, So she was one of um, what became known in a later time as the tribes of Galway. And you can see the um, crest of the Athai family here. And she married um, uh, one of the lynches. Now, there's been some uh, dispute over the foundation date of the friary. Um, A number of um, authors have proposed a foundation date of 1500, uh, including O'Connor in his study of the friary from its establishment up to 1652. And Gwynne and Hadcock also agreed with that date as well. Um, On the other hand, Paul Walsh has indicated um, a later date and a somewhat more specific date, um, suggesting that the friary was established sometime between August 1508 and June 1509, which he does on the basis of surviving um, documentary evidence. Um, The friary's foundation takes place during a period of great prosperity for the town of Galway. Um, During this time, its merchants would have been trading with ports along Europe's Atlantic seaboard, and this would have helped to um, cement its reputation as a trading centre. Um, it traded in a variety of different commodities, including um, hides, cloth, fish, in addition to wool and also for, um, surplus agricultural uh, produce. Um, in his History of Galway, um, Hardiman made reference to the uh, establishment of Galway um, Augustinian Friary, and he provides this uh, interesting account of um, the, the friary being founded and the um, uh, founder's husband finding out about it. 
So the monastery was commenced by the pious foundress during her husband's absence in Spain. The church and steeple having been finished before his return, he was surprised on entering the bay to behold so stately a building in a place where, at his departure, not a stone had been laid. Uh, But when, on landing, he found that this had been erected by his own wife in honour of St. Augustine, his surprise was converted into joy. I'm sure her her joy was forthcoming too. And the good man, kneeling down on the seashore, returned thanks to heaven for inspiring her with that pious resolution. Sigh of relief. Um, The Augustinian friary was um, situated on what um, Hardiman described as an eminence near the sea in an area now known as Fort Hill, taking care, no doubt, um, to avoid the other suburbs of Galway where the Franciscans and Dominicans were already established by that time. Um, So the medieval walled town of Galway um, was... One of the smaller examples, or maybe medium-sized examples, of walled towns in Ireland, and there were bigger ones than this. So it was a fairly compact area, enclosed within that purple space there. Um, and as was often the case, and um, the friars um, might tend to gravitate outside um, the, the walls of the town, where there might be more um, space for them to, um, to occupy. Um, and so Galway managed to support three friaries um, located in various suburbs of the town. So the Augustinian friary, you can see over for here to the north of the town, you can see the Franciscan Friary, and to the um, roughly to the south of the town, and what we would now know as the Clad area, uh, you can see where the Dominican Friary uh, was located down here. So they're all kind of keeping out of each other's way and carving out their own um, area in the suburbs of the town. Um, and. Given the nature of the mendicant existence, um, a life of uh, poverty supported by begging, that was what they had committed themselves to. Um, They needed to have a decent-sized population um, in order to be able to support them, and they needed not to be too close to other houses of the same order or to other houses of different orders, otherwise they might all be drawing from the same well, um, and there mightn't be um, enough to be able to support them. Um, But on the whole, um, very few friaries um, failed to prosper in Ireland due to lack of support. So they must usually have managed to stay reasonably well um, out of each other's way. So the Augustinian Friary in Galway is the last um, of the three friaries um, to, to be established in the suburbs of the town. And it, it was established in a period of great prosperity that um, uh, existed around that time. Now, just to um, have a, a sense of the people that we're talking about and their other um, um, religious associations, and we have um, uh, Margaret Athai Lynch over here, the founder of the Friary, and her husband, Stephen Lynch, um, and, and sometimes it's interpreted that he was also a co-founder of the Friary um, on the basis um, that um, the assumption might be that perhaps he was helping at least um, to pay for the Friary. He certainly becomes a patron of the Friary over time, and I'll discuss his will later on um, where he made um, provision for the burial of himself and his wife, one of his children, and also for the uh, future of the friary as well. Um, We can also um, uh, see the presence of Dominic Duff Lynch up here, who's an important um, patron of the um, Dominicans in Galway as well. And the Lynches have many um, uh, associations as uh, religious patrons in Galway, and this is just really representing um, a selection of those. Going back, in any case, to the pictorial map of Galway, I mentioned the Dominican Friary, which is located um, over here. You can see it uh, depicted on on this map. And the pictorial map... 
is, uh, has often incorrectly been referred to as the 1651 uh, map of Galway. Um, it's um, probably not from 1651, um, and so more accurately, it now tends to be referred to just generally as the 17th century um, pictorial map of Galway. But we can see the Dominican Friary uh, located down there. Um, you can also see the Augustinian Friary over here, which I'll return to again, and the Franciscans were um, located um, over there. So the, the Lynch family were um, a fairly significant family in Galway. Um, Hardiman has lists of um, who served as um, mayor of Galway um, throughout the medieval and early modern period. And you can see the Lynches are mentioned frequently. And the Athais, um, their, their um, fortunes had not quite paralleled the rise of the Lynches, um, although they were one of, of, of the tribes of Galway. Um, and so um, they're a little less prominent, perhaps. Um, so it might be judged that Margaret Athai had married well um, in marriage. Stephen Lynch. Um, the status of the Lynch family is apparent in um, Stephen Lynch uh, here, having served as mayor of Galway in uh, 1505. And during his tenure as mayor, Hardiman tells us, he founded a hospital in the High Street for the relief of such of the respectable citizens as might happen to be reduced by sickness or other misfortunes. Um, in the establishment of the um, uh, Augustinian Friary in Galway, mention was also made of the involvement of Father Richard Nangle, a doctor of divinity, an Augustinian and later Church of Ireland Bishop of Clonfort. He was appointed um, Church of Ireland Bishop of Clonfort, um, but um, the incumbent wasn't inclined to, um, to, to give it over to him. Um, but his involvement is, is mentioned um, in relation to the establishment of the Friary. Um, Interestingly, in relation to Stephen Lynch, um, portions of his will survive. Um, so the original um, document was transcribed, um, or, or the original document um, portions of it were transcribed by the author of the of, um, uh, a book on the Augustinians. I think it was the original was subsequently lost. And so we have only snippets from his will that relate to the Augustinians. Um, so portions of Stephen Lynch's will survive, and they indicate a number of bequests to the Augustinians, including nine parcels of land, and he refers to all of his arable lands by east of Galway. So quite an amount of land is um, given to the friars by um, Stephen Lynch. Um, now, this does kind of bring us to an interesting point of considering the irony of donating um, uh, property to the friars who had made their whole business about having a commitment to poverty. Um, the, um, or, or, I suppose the original rules upon which the friars were founded um, committed them to a life of poverty supported by begging. And people admired them so much for their um, property that they donated things to them um, and that sort of distracted them away perhaps from some of the poverty um, that they were um, supposed to observe. Um, Coleman O'Clobby has referred to it as sort of the, the kind of Mrs Doyle phenomenon and have a cup of tea, go on, go on, go on. Um, so they ended up um, receiving um, quite an amount of donations. Um, so some land was donated by Stephen Lynch um, to the friars, although on the whole the fri friars didn't tend to own huge amounts of land when the houses were eventually broken up. Um, in addition, he also um, provided um, for his own burial uh, on the site of the Augustinian friars, um, the burial of his wife and the burial of his fourth son, Christopher Lynch. And um, all of those things were um, uh, specifically um, referred to in his will. And part of the arrangement of donating to the friars was that um, you might be able to secure um, burial rights in return. And being buried within the friars' church uh, was a very prestigious thing. Um, and the closer you could get um, to the eastern altar of the church, um, the better um, in, in the donor's mind it was considered to be. Um, having instructed his children in his will to be kind unto all those to whom they ought, 
can interpret that how you like. Um, Stephen Lynch also urged them to take vigilant heed of the honesty of the College of Vicars of the Church of St. Nicholas and specified that his heir Thomas and two other sons give specified quantities of salmon to the Augustinian friary because um, one of the... um, um, ways that people could support the friars were simply by donating food to them um, to um, facilitate them um, to, to, to feed them basically um, so that, that was kind of um, considered to be a useful way to support them but unless you find a written record for it archaeologically that can be um, quite um, difficult to detect um, there isn't any surviving will um, that we know of for Margaret um, and the question arises of whether she made one or not. Now technically um, wives weren't supposed to make wills but the church often encouraged them to do so on the basis um, that amongst other things, they might look after the church uh, in the process of making that will. So, um, uh, we don't know whether she made a will. It's quite likely that she mightn't have made one. And given that her husband had already um, provided for where her burial should be um, and other things, um, she mightn't have felt the need to. Um, or it mightn't have been considered appropriate for her to do so. Um, in any case, um, Portions of her husband's will survive, and it's a, it's unfortunate that we only have the portions relating to the Augustinians, and because you would wonder um, what other um, uh, religious benefactions he might have made in that will to other houses in Galway, and because it's quite likely he would have been a supporter of other um, places, including um, the Dominicans. Um, In terms of the friary building and what that may have been like, it no longer stands, but we know that it took place during the high point of the craft of the mason in the town of Galway. So between 1450 and 1650, there's a a great uh, phase of building that goes on in Galway, and the friary was constructed during that time. The masonry that was used during that period was mostly executed using a type of hard local limestone. This is noted for its consistent texture and its resistance to weathering, and is often referred to in early historical descriptions as marble on the basis of the quality of the stone. Um, It's probable that the Augustinian friary was uh, constructed of the same sort of material. Um, They knocked the friary down in 1645, um, but as was the case with the Dominican friary, before they knocked it down, um, they recorded its dimensions and its various features in a schedule, um, and the schedule notes that the said abbey was wrought in the outside generals and steeple and all with huge stone. So it gives us the impression that the friary was constructed out of cut stone. Um, The construction of St. Augustine's Fort, a fortress that was constructed around the friary, began in... Um, 1602, the friary had been dissolved by 1578 Um, and this map shows us um, something of what Galway would have looked like um, in the early modern period and you can now note the presence of this um, fortress, St Augustine's Fort around the outside of the friary and you can also notice various other other fortresses have been built around the city. Um, By the 17th century, um, Galway had come into some very turbulent times which were to see um, some of the great legacy of its medieval buildings um, being lost. Um, The fort was subsequently demolished. It didn't have a very long existence, um, just over 40 years. Um, The fort was demolished in 1643 and the friary within it was subsequently demolished in 1645. Um, Now, this map um, a plot of the town of Galway um, was drawn by the delightfully named Barnaby Gooch in July 1583 and it shows us the walled town of Galway here and outside it shows two of the friaries, we've got the Augustinian friary over here and we've got um, the uh, Franciscan friary um, located over here um, they were at this time kind of 
looking for a location to um, build a, a proposed citadel. And crucially, this um, predates the demolition of the um, of, of the Augustinian Friary. It also even predates the construction of St Augustine's Fort around the outside of it. Um, it gives us Gooch's general impression of the town, and um, rather than showing any particularly detailed knowledge, but on the whole, um, the map has been found to be fairly accurate. Um, both of the friaries are shown surrounded by rectangular walls, um, but we need to, to kind of exercise a note of caution when we look at how um, religious houses are depicted in maps, because sometimes it's kind of a, a pictogram, kind of a generic sort of a, um, a structure that's put in, rather than necessarily showing us specifically um, what the building we're looking for might have looked like. Um, all that being said, if we look more closely at the drawing of the Augustinian Friary, it shows us a long rectangular building with a belfry divided by three string courses. Um, and if you take away the fact that it's probably not entirely in proportion, um, it does give us a sense of generally what friary churches often look like. A long hall consisting of a, a, nave, and qua- a nave and chancel um, with a tower um, centrally located. It doesn't give us any sense of where the um, domestic um, buildings might be. Um, one of the gables is uh, with a kind of a twist of proportion. One of the gables is shown um, featuring a window while there's a doorway in this long side of the church um, that faces the viewer. Um, another piece of evidence that we can draw on to try and think about what um, this um, friary may have looked like is this uh, engraving of 1603 of the fort near Galway. And this example was reproduced in Hardiman's History of Galway. It's based on an original from the British Library that's thought to date from around 1603. There's also a similar example um, in um, Trinity College as well. Um, and within this um, fortress, which is... Um, a, a square fortress with with um, corner bastions on it. We can see this long building here, um, and this um, may well represent what the friary uh, would have looked like. Again, this long narrow building, and we can see a tower located um, there in the centre of it. So it's reasonably consistent actually with um, what Gooch's map of um, Galway shows. Um, so it's reasonably likely that the building we see here um, represents the. Um, the map of the key of the map refers to it as St. Augustine's Church, and it may well represent a lot of the building um, as it was constructed by Margaret Atai and, and Stephen Lynch. Um, friaries tend to be constructed incrementally as resources um, and donations allowed. The expression the architecture of increment has often been used to refer to this, adding on a piece at a time um, as they had money to do so. Um, features could be updated for aesthetic reasons as time went on, as patronage became available, as new fashions emerged, or sometimes as rebuilding took place. As a consequence of fire. Um, the Augustinian Friary in Galway, though, is relatively late in terms of its foundation, and it's unlikely to have changed very dramatically by 1603, although there may have been a few um, additions in the intervening period. Um, this is John Speed's map of Galway um, in 1610, which does show, uh, of about 1610, it does show the Dominican Friary over here, but alas, he didn't pay a great deal of attention to um, the suburbs of Galway. He'd be led to believe that there weren't really any on the basis of this map, and so the Augustinian Friary isn't shown here. But when we go to the um, pictorial map, it's drawn from much the same angle, but we do see the um, Augustinian Friary depicted up here. Um, now, this map isn't an accurate depiction of what Galway looked like at the time the map was drawn. Um, it's been described as sort of a historical delineation of Galway. Some of the things that are drawn in this map were already gone um, by the time um, the map was um, drawn, such as the Dominican Friary here and the Augustinian Friary up here as well. Um, so the... Um, 
appearance of this um, a friary on this pictorial map is conspicuous because the map postdates the friary's demolition. Um, the perspective is from the opposite side to the one that we saw in the 1603 um, image earlier on. The friary is drawn as being long, uh, a long, narrow building with a tall, thin steeple. Um, and that kind of design is typical of the long, narrow halls that would have characterised mendicant friaries and consisted of a nave and chancel. Um, the friary is also depicted enclosed by a, a square fortress with four corner bastions, very much like the drawing of the fort near Galway. Um, and there's one structure, um, maybe a gatehouse, in addition to the friary and another structure, this um, smaller one here that's about two storeys in height. Um, a 1645 agreement was reached between the Prior of St. Augustine's and the Corporation of Galway, and this provided for the demolition of the friary. And it refers to the stone, timber and slate of the said church, which could be taken away and put to new use by the Corporation's representatives. Um, in the case of the Dominican friary, they put out a call for that material to be brought to St. Nicholas's later on. Um, the intention of the agreement was that having knocked down the friary, the corporation should arrange when peace returned and at their own proper cost and charges for the church to be rebuilt. And the, there was a similar proviso in the um, indenture for the demolition of the Dominican friary that said that the friary should be rebuilt when peace returned to Galway. Um, but they never quite got around to reconstructing either of them. Um, the agreement for the Augustinian Friary specifies in detail how the church should be rebuilt and it provides some detailed insights into how it must once have looked. The replacement construction was to have a wall made of lime and sand and stone according as the best walls in Galway are usually made in such manner from length, breadth, height and cross width a good sufficient roof of hard timber covered with slate together with windows, doors and all other necessaries as by the schedule hereunto annexed the said church now to be demolished doth appear to have been built. So it gives us some ideas of what it may have looked like and what the dimensions of it may have been. Um, and these details are from this book by Battersby um, on the Augustinians in Ireland. Um, so using that and using um, the fort near Galway, um, I'm proposing a reconstruction of what the Friary Church may have looked like. Um, so divided between a nave and choir, a long narrow church typical of the style the mendicants built, with a tower centrally located in the middle. The schedule mentions um, mm -hmm. uh, the types of windows, so it mentions um, twin light windows, single light windows um, and a tracery window at the east end. Um, a door at the west end is, is, is uh, typical of fireys as well. Um, it doesn't provide us with much information as to what the um, domestic buildings would have been like. They didn't merit much attention, nor did they merit much attention in the description of the Dominican friary either, although in that case they do refer to um, a leper house um, on the site. Um, and it does also provide us with some information that could be used to reconstruct what the tower may have looked like as well. Um, so it mentions um, the kind of number of levels as you go up through it um, and the types of windows, including this, which seems quite a large uh, window for a friary tower. Um, friaries of this period um, often had pointed arches um, located um, at the crossing, but sometimes they often used round arches as well, which becomes quite popular in the um, late Irish Gothic style. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive of more than 140 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and on SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, 
visit the conference website at tutorstuartireland.com.